four in our Bibles tonight. You ever wanted to know the will of God about something? I remember years ago when we, my wife and I, lived in Greenville, South Carolina, and we uh, were looking to go into the ministry full time. And uh, we had two churches that we were praying about and agonizing about. One was in Michigan. The other was in Indianapolis, and we were praying and asking the Lord, Lord, would you lead us? And uh, it was kind of an agonizing time. Sometimes you just say, Lord, will you just tell me what to do, and I'll do it. Uh, Both had positives. Both had some negatives, like anything in life does. And I remember just telling the Lord, Lord, I don't want to do the wrong thing. And sure enough, a couple of days before I was to make my decision, the church in Michigan called, and the pastor said, hey, um, you know, I've been reevaluating this. wasn't anything wrong with us. He just said, I just don't think financially we're ready at this point to put somebody on. And I just don't feel peace about it from a financial standpoint. And, of course, from my perspective, I was quite happy because the Lord clearly showed me his will in that situation. And sometimes... Knowing and finding the will of God uh, for our lives can be a little bit of a challenge. Other times, though, God makes very, very clear what his will is for us. As a matter of fact, in this book, two times God says, this is the will of God for you. Uh, one of them we'll get to in, in a, probably in a few weeks it's in the same uh, book, First Thessalonians chapter number 5, in everything give thanks, for this is the will of God concerning you. God wants all of us to be thankful. By the way, I tell people this, when you're trying to determine the will of God about something, make sure what you're doing is the will of God. So do the will of God with what you clearly know to be God's will. For instance... You say, I don't know if God wants me to take this job or not. Uh, I'm trying to get the mind of the Lord. Well, are you reading your Bible? (laughs) Are you in church, right? So do now what you know to be the will of God for you. In our text this this evening, 1 Thessalonians 4, we are given clearly in verse number 3 the will of God for our life as well. And the Bible says this in 1 Thessalonians 4 and verse 3, For this is the will of God, even your sanctification, that ye should abstain from fornication. Sanctification is the process of being separated from sin and set apart to God's holiness. The Bible tells us this, in 1 Peter chapter 1, that we are, be ye holy, even as I am holy. And we've said this in the past, God's foremost attribute is his holiness. In Isaiah 6, Isaiah saw the Lord high and lifted up, and the angels were singing what? Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God of hosts. God is love. God is kind. God is benevolent, right? But they weren't saying love, love, love. Holy, holy, holy. God's foremost attribute is his holiness. And as we look at this chapter here, Paul, writing to this church, obviously he had only been there for a few weeks. They trusted Christ as Savior. 
And almost right out of the gate, he deals with what was going on in that culture. It's interesting culture. You know, fads come and go, but really sin kind of remains through every culture. And if you study this culture at the writing of this letter, you will see that sexual activity was rampant. Pleasure, driven and indulging in pleasure. Uh, I received an article concerning our culture in 2023. And this ought to alarm us. If you have teenagers living in your home, you ought to, after this service, have a conversation just to be sure. Nearly three out of every four teenagers have viewed pornography at some point in their lives. More than half, this is, I think, January 2023, more than half first seeing sexually explicit material by age 13. Common Sense Media, which describes itself as the nation's leading nonprofit organization dedicated to improving the lives of all kids and families by providing the trustworthy information education, uh, they reported, they released a report entitled Teens and Pornography. The report is based on responses to an online survey of 1,358 teenagers between ages of 13 and 17. The uh, survey was conducted from September 12th to 21st in 2022. Most of those surveyed, 54% said they had first seen pornography online at age 13 or younger. 15% reported viewing, reported first viewing, age 10 or younger. 73% of teens overall admitted to viewing porn at some point during their teen years, and the article goes on and on. You see, Pastor, why do you read that? Because we live, like the church at Thessalonica, in a sex-crazed society, and people are doing that which is right in their own eyes. And so Paul deals with this matter of purity in this church early on. We do need to remember that purity precedes power. If we're going to have God's power, we need to be pure. God makes very clear, this is the will of God, even your sanctification, that ye should abstain from fornication. The word fornication is a word that comes from porneas. Describes any form of illicit sexual behavior. Obviously, it's from where we get the word pornography. Sexual temptation has always been a challenge in every generation. As a matter of fact, in Acts chapter number 15, Pastor James at the Jerusalem Council, they were talking about circumcision and this and that, and he brings a report back to the church and he says this. Wherefore, my sentence is that we trouble not them which from among the Gentiles are turned to God. So we're not going to make these Gentiles become circumcised. But we write unto them that they should abstain from pollution of idols and from fornication. Paul wrote to the church at Colossae in Colossians chapter 3, verse number 5, to mortify, mortify the deeds of the flesh, including fornication. He wrote to the church at Corinth in 1 Corinthians 15, verse 18, flee fornication. 
Jesus, back in the Gospels, said this, Whosoever looks on a woman to lust after her hath committed adultery in, her, in their heart already. But lest we think that this is just a man problem, statistics among ladies are on the rise. We need to remember in Genesis chapter 39 and verse 7, it was Potiphar's wife that cast her eyes upon Joseph and tried to get Joseph to be immoral. This is a challenge and has been a challenge with every generation. And as we look at this matter of the will of God, our sanctification being pure, we find some steps in the following verses after verse number three that help us when it comes to this matter of being pure. So follow along as I read verse 4 through verse number 8, and we're going to look at some helps tonight that will help us to remain pure in a day and age in which purity is going out the window. Verse 4, that every one of you should know how to possess his vessel in sanctification and honor, not in the lust of concupiscence, even as the Gentiles which know not God, that no man go beyond and defraud his brother in any matter, because that the Lord is the avenger of all such, as we also have forewarned you and testified. For God hath not called us unto uncleanness, but unto holiness. He therefore that despiseth, despiseth not man, but God, who hath also given unto us his Holy Spirit. Let's ask the Lord to meet with us here tonight. And then we'll dive right in. Lord, we love you. Thank you for your love. Thank you that the Holy Spirit indwells us as believers. Lord, I ask that you would speak to our hearts here. I ask, Lord, that you would help us to put safeguards in our lives to help us to be holy as you're holy. Lord, I pray that you would do the only the work that you can do. Help us to be honest with ourselves, to be honest with you. Glorify yourself, we pray, in this hour, in Jesus' name. Amen. Let me give you four steps that we find in this passage that we find helpful. Now, step number one is this. We need to exercise self-control. Exercise self-control. The idea found in verse number four that every one of you should know how to possess his vessel, has the idea of self-control over the desires of the flesh. Every believer has a responsibility to know his own strengths and weaknesses and to gain mastery or self-control over his own body. You know, the flesh is capable of doing anything Anyone's flesh is capable of doing anything. Remember as a young person finding out in the church that I grew up in that the youth pastor had done some things that were unbecoming of a youth pastor and my brain as a youngster had a hard time processing this. The reality is he was just as human as anyone else. And his flesh was allowed to be out of control. The Apostle Paul said this in Romans 7, For I know, verse 18, that in me, that is in my flesh, dwelleth no good thing. That's the Apostle Paul. (laughs) He was a human being just like we are. Uh, Dwelleth no good thing, for to will is present with me, 
But how to perform that which is good, I find not. When it comes to this matter of self-control, let me give you a few thoughts, and then we'll look at our other three steps. Step number one is exercise self-control. How do I exercise self-control? Number one, take responsibility for you. We live in a blame-shifting society. We want to blame our upbringing. We want to blame our husband. We want to blame our wife. We want to blame the technology. We want to blame the government. We want to blame everybody and step taking responsibility for ourselves. Paul said this in Romans 6 to this letter, Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body, that you should obey it in the lust thereof, neither yield your members... Your, your members, your body parts as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin, but yield yourselves unto God as those that are alive from the dead and your instruments as, and, your, and, your, and your vessels as instruments of righteousness unto God. We think concerning responsibility. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 9, I buffet my body. That's not talking about the shady maple. Unfortunately, because if it was, we would all be commanded to go to the shady maple. But it's not talking about that. He's saying, what? I keep my body under. Why? Lest I become a castaway. You see, he recognized the need for self-control. He recognized the need to take responsibility. Uh, You know, you can't say that the devil made you do it. We have to take responsibility. Secondly, when it comes to this matter of self-control, I think it's important for us to remember that we need to not just take responsibility, we need to be filled with the Spirit or allow the Spirit of God that lives in us to control us. Self-control is really about the Spirit being in control. Galatians 5 says this, This I say then, walk in the Spirit, and ye shall not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. If I will allow the Spirit of God to be in control, be not drunk with wine, we're in his excess, but be what? Be filled with the Spirit of God. When we got saved, the Holy Spirit moved in. Isn't it interesting? The Holy Spirit, the Holy Bible, God is holy, be ye holy. He moved in, and the Holy Spirit of God will uh, control us and enable us to not give in to our flesh if we allow him to. And so I think it's important as we think about self-control, we take responsibility, we allow the Spirit of God to fill us. Number three, spend time, much time in the Word of God. The Bible says in Psalm 119, you know it, you could probably quote it, wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way. By taking heed thereto according to thy word. With my whole heart have I sought thee. O let me not wander from thy commandments. Thy word have I hid in mine heart that I might not, what? Sin against thee. You see, I've got to hide the word of God. Colossians 3 says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. And so when it comes to this matter of self-control, we, it's not just that we're gritting our teeth and we're saying, I can't, I'm not going to do this. No. We have to say, I have to take responsibility. I have to make a choice. Am I going to do what's right or am I going to do what's wrong? 
I've got to allow the Spirit of God to control. Lord, I want you to be in control. I need your grace. I need your power. I need your enablement. And as we meditate and allow the truth of the Word of God, the truth of the Word of God will cause us to not exercise carnality, right? Or to give in to our flesh. And so number one, exercise self-control. Number two, back to our text, and I want you to look at verse number five, okay? Possessing our vessel in sanctification and honor, verse five. Not in the lust of concupiscence, even as the Gentiles which know not God. Lust has the idea of out-of-control craving for what is not right. Concupiscence has the idea of uncontrollable desire or overpowering urges. Notice in the text, he's comparing lust of concupiscence, yeah, you know what, concupiscence, with Gentiles who know not God. Or people that are unsaved, that are doing what they can to find satisfaction. And the world says we need satisfaction in money and in sex and in pleasure. And, in, and the world's method of satisfaction always leaves one empty. Vanity. And he's saying this to the church. There should be a difference in what you're doing than that of those Gentiles who are in the world. And so the second point, I may have given it to you already, is not just exercising self-control, but it is practice separation. Practice separation. Galatians chapter 5 and verse 24 And they that are Christ's have crucified the flesh with the affections and lusts. 2 Corinthians 6, Come out from among them and be ye separate, saith the Lord. I beseech you as strangers and pilgrims, abstain from fleshly lusts which war against your soul. Look at Ephesians chapter number 5. Ephesians chapter number 5, again, admonishing the church at Ephesus. You'll see, as the Apostle Paul is used to the Lord to admonish these churches, admonishment to do what? To be separate. To, To separate from that which is going to hinder us spiritually. Ephesians chapter 5, the Bible says this in verse 3, But fornication and all uncleanness... Or covetous, covetousness, let it not once be named among you as become a saints. Neither filthiness, nor foolish talking, nor jesting, which are not convenient, but rather giving of thanks. What's he saying? Hey, be followers of God, dear children, and these things don't let it be named once among you. You talk to some Christian people, and they'll say, hey, have you seen this movie? It only has three cuss words in it. It only takes the name of the Lord in vain twice. How many times does the Bible say it shouldn't be named? Not once. That means zero. And we think about this, 
as the society goes further and further, I mean, crazy nuts. The church typically isn't where the world is. We're where the world was. And as it moves and we move, there's still a distance, but we're where the world was. And we live in a society just like the church at Ephesus, the church at Colossae, the Thessalonian church, that is given to pleasure. And if we're not careful, the entertainment of the world will become the entertainment of the Christian. And we will find ourselves desensitized in a world where wickedness is all around us. And not only will we find ourselves desensitized, we will find ourselves powerless to reach this world for Jesus. Purity precedes power. What is different about your life and my life that would cause somebody that doesn't know Jesus to say, I want what you have. You see, the reality is, and by the way, when we think concerning separation, we are separated unto God first from the world. It's not just that I am saying they're bad and this is bad and I don't want bad. No, the reality is I love the Lord Jesus with all of my heart. I love the Lord Jesus with all of my heart, the songwriter said. For dying on Calvary, for giving me victory, I love the Lord Jesus with all of my heart. And when I love the Lord Jesus with all of my heart, what grieves the Lord Jesus ought to grieve me. The Bible says this in Romans 13, Verse 14, but put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ and make not provision for the flesh to fulfill the lusts thereof. How often do we make just little itty bitty provisions for the flesh? There's a lot of application that we could make here by way of entertainment. If you have one of these devices and you do not have a filter on it, you're making provision for the flesh. By the way, if you have a young person that lives in your house that has a phone without a filter, you better go home today and go put a filter on it. Because if they haven't made provision for the flesh themselves, they will because they're human beings just like any one of us. You say, Pastor, do you have a filter? I sure do. I have a preacher friend that gets reports of my, of my looking. Why? Because I'm just like the Apostle Paul. In my flesh dwelleth no good thing. In everyone's flesh dwelleth no good thing. And I have talked to numbers of individuals where this has become a problem because they did not... Uh, 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 put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make not provision for the flesh. Um, We've got to be honest, be on guard. Hey, uh, what are the things in life that can incite the wrong thinking? 
What do we listen to? What do we watch? And often we compare that with ourselves. Well, this guy's a Christian and they do this. And so it's, we need to look at the word of God. And we need to be open and honest with ourselves and say, you know what? This isn't helping me spiritually. I don't care if everybody in the world, every Christian, if every preacher is doing it, it's not helping me spiritually. And I have to be open and honest with what I allow into my life, with where I allow myself to go. I remember for me, and I'd be a little transparent here with you, and then we got to get off this point because i got a couple other points. I remember for me as a young man in Bible college, I think it was my freshman year, listening to a professor talk about 1 Corinthians. I'm from Pennsylvania. I'm from Philly. I'm sitting here listening to this professor tell me things I never thought of before. He was talking about going to the beach. Talking about swimming. Well, I grew up. I grew up swimming. We just, I hate to say it this way, but we just took our clothes off and went swimming with the rest of the world. I didn't know anything was wrong with it. As I got older and I heard challenges as a freshman, I started thinking, you know what? Huh. I don't know that this is helping me spiritually. That summer I worked at a camp. Now that I had the truth of the word of God in my life, I'm now at a camp. And I'm thinking, this definitely isn't helping me spiritually. And for me as a young man, I had to say, you know what, i got to think about what's going to help me and what's not going to help me spiritually. In Pennsylvania, I remember, <laughs> I remember talking with, I don't know how many of you know Brother Jim Van Gelsen. Jim Van Gelsen was in a church in our area. You know, Jim Van Gelsen has a different world that he preaches. He preaches to young people all across the, the country. And he said, I said, hey, how'd it go? This was years and years ago. He said, I think I made them mad. I said, really? He said, yeah. He said, I just thought it was kind of a no-brainer. He said, I preached on, you know, taking your clothes off at the beach and just there, everybody there with half their clothes on. He said, I, I, he said this is a Pennsylvania thing? He said, the East Coast thing? He said, I think I made him mad. And I just laughed. There's many ways of thinking about the application here. Paul's writing to this church. Hey, we have to think concerning purity in our mind, in our heart. There's more that we could say, but we need to move on. First Thessalonians chapter 4, step number 3. That no man, verse 6, go beyond and defraud his brother. The word go beyond is a word that means to transgress or to sin against someone. Defraud has the idea of to selfishly take something for personal gain and pleasure at someone else's expense. The context here really is in a sexual context here. That no man go beyond and defraud his brother in any matter. And we'll talk about the rest in a minute. People, number three is this, deny yourself. Learn to live selflessly. Because we have a tendency 
to be about numero uno, number one. And when I engage in things like fornication, we are taking advantage of, we are defrauding somebody by taking something that's not ours. I'm amazed at how far our society has gone where people on the first date will live like they're married and they're defrauding that other individual. When you're married, it becomes yours. When you're not married, keep your hands off. By the way, (laughs) denying self, learning to take no for an answer, starts when we're really little. We teach young people that no means no. We've got everything at our fingertips now. Fast food, and if it's not fast enough, we'll complain because it's not fast enough. Um, We'll want our money back. You know, texts, and and my kids want me to get, what is it, InstaPay, or what is it again, PayPal or Apple Pay or whatever. To me, it has something to do with the Antichrist and the end times. They think I'm crazy, but you know, they want to they pay me something. You know, you owe me whatever. Can you write me a check? We don't have checks, Dad. How many of you know what checks are? Us older people. They want an instant. Hey, Dad, I can give it to you in a second. You can just have it. Poof. And I'm like, yeah, but somebody will get all my accounts, and they'll come in and steal the money that I really don't have, right? Um, you know, Instant, instant. And we're raising a generation of young people that want instant gratification, and they're not willing to wait until they're married, not willing to wait to fulfill, in some cases, or legitimate desires, right? Um, selflessness. Second Timothy chapter 3. In the last days, perilous times shall come, and men shall be what? Lovers of their own selves. And we're seeing that more and more in the day and age in which we live. By the way, take a few minutes or take a few hours and fast and pray with us and you'll deny yourself after dinner Tuesday till after the service Wednesday. And uh, boy, sometimes we forget how strong the flesh can be to pull us, right? Even with legitimate desires such as food, etc. All right, let me give you number four. Exercise self-control, number one. Practice separation, number two. Deny yourself. With regards to separation, just be honest. Hey, is this helping me or hindering, hindering me? Number three, deny yourself. Number four is to live in the fear of God. Look at the latter part of verse six. Because that the Lord is the avenger of all such as we have forewarned you and testified. God is the judge. God sees there's nothing hid. All things are naked and open unto the eyes of him with whom we have to do. Nothing is hid from God. Sometimes God allows the natural consequences to take place. Two young people will act like they're married and now someone's going to have a kid. Sometimes it's the natural consequences, uh, the aspects of uh, divorce and loss and 
Sometimes God uh, judges directly with sickness, disease, trouble, loss, whatever. You can't pull a fast one on God. God knows and God is the judge. And every one of us will give account to God. Hebrews 13, 4, marriage is honorable to all and the bed undefiled, but whoremongers and adulterers God will judge. We live in the fear of God. We recognize that he sees and knows and someday I'll give account to him. Verse 7 We need to remember that God has not called us unto uncleanness, but unto holiness. Impurity is not consistent with God's purpose for your life. Remember, Christ moved in. The Holy Spirit of God moved in. Our bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit of God. And his job is to do what? Romans 8 tells us to be conformed to the image of his Son. It's not consistent with his purpose. And then you look at verse number 8. He therefore that despiseth despises not man but God. When you reject God's truth as God set it up, you're rejecting God. I think sometimes we fail to realize this. Well, we think that I can disobey God, but me and God can still be good. And Jesus said, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. Breaking what God asks is sin against God. Interesting, he says this, the last phrase there, but God who hath also given unto us his Holy Spirit, the enabler to help us when it comes to obeying the will of God. This is the will of God, even your sanctification, that she should, what, abstain from fornication, verse 8, for he has given unto us the Holy Spirit. I love that God doesn't just give us a command without giving us the enabler, the enablement to fulfill that command. The Bible tells us to grieve not the Spirit, to quench not the Spirit. The Spirit of God that lives in us will convict us. Hey, I don't think this is good for you. Hey, do you think you should be watching this? Do you think you should be listening to this? Do you think you should be here in this location? You see, if we'll just be honest with God and we'll listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit of God, Obeying the will of God, found in 1 Thessalonians 4 and verse 3, will happen in our lives. May God help us. We know, not in every area do we know specifically the will of God. We have to kind of talk to him. But in this area, we know the will of God for our lives.